Hey, happy Easter. And uh, welcome to River Glen. Uh, my name is uh, Ben. If you're new and we haven't had a chance to meet, I'm one of the uh, pastors here. And uh, just delighted uh, to have you uh, with us. Easter's my favorite weekend of the uh, year. We get to celebrate the core of what we uh, believe. And it is just a great weekend to be a guest uh, with us as, uh, as, as well. If you're new or, or maybe you just haven't been uh, for a while, uh, welcome everybody here in Waukesha, welcome in uh, Pewaukee, and uh, welcome online. Uh, such an honor to have you with us on uh, Easter. But, hey, before we get started, I want to invite you back. Uh, next weekend, we're beginning a new series called Emotionally Healthy uh, Relationships. This last year has been really tough, taking a toll on us emotionally and uh, relationally, and so we're going to take five weeks, and uh, we're going to get better and uh, healthier emotionally and uh, relationally, and we'd love to have you uh, join us. So we hope that you uh, come back. But Easter is my uh, favorite weekend of the year because it is the perfect uh, weekend. I think the biggest reason is it's a perfect weekend uh, for anybody who's considering taking a step of faith and, uh, and getting baptized and going all in. We've got several people getting baptized uh, this weekend, and you know what, we got room for more, and uh, we'd love to include you uh, too. Now, I know, you know, people come on Easter for a variety of uh, reasons. You know, maybe, uh, you know, maybe your uh, parents threatened you, you know, and that's why you're here, or uh, maybe your spouse or boyfriend or girlfriend dragged you here uh, for Easter. Maybe you got in the car, you thought you were going to an Easter egg hunt, and you ended up here at uh, a church. I don't know what got you here, but I really don't think, I really don't believe that it was an, an accident. And so here's what I'm going to do today. If I got a chance to sit down with you one-on-one, and you gave me like one shot. You said, Ben, I'm going to give you one shot to explain to me what it means to be a Christian and to follow Jesus. That's what I'm going to do today as best as I can. So to get us thinking um, uh, in that direction and uh, kind of get us on the same page, we're going to do a fun little exercise that's also uh, revealing. Got the scale over here, 0 to 100, and 0 would be the worst person in the world. A hundred would be the best person in the world. This would be like Jesus, okay, um, over here. And I want you to pick a number uh, uh, between 0 and 100 for how good of a person uh, you are. Now, before you pick a number, I want to help you out, okay? You're not 100, okay? Um, You know, we've all done things wrong. I mean, we've all told a lie. We've all uh, taken things that belong to somebody else. We've all done things sexually that we know uh, wasn't... Uh, right, we've all, you know, kind of lost our temper and, you know, blown up on somebody. Maybe some of us blew up on the kids, you know, on the ride to church uh, today. Uh, you know, just shut up. Just everybody shut up. We're going to church to worship Jesus. Put a smile on your face, all right? Uh, some of us know, <laughs> you know, what that is. So you're not 100, okay? But, you know, to be fair, you're not zero either. This is like Hitler, uh, axe murderers, people with five or more cats. Okay, I'm, I'm just, I'm just uh, kidding. Uh, but uh, so pick a number between uh, one and, uh, and 100, okay? Everybody pick a number. And on the count of three, I want you to say it out loud. No, I'm not going to have you do that. <laughs> okay, but as a, as a teacher, I'm not going to ask you to do something uh, that I'm not willing to do. And so as I was working on this message, I tried to pick a number for myself, and I really struggled trying to pick the right number. And I finally, what I did is I called an expert, and I called my wife, 
And I said, uh, you know, Marnie, I said, you know, 100 is, is Jesus. Uh, zero is the worst person in the world. Uh, Billy Graham, Mother Teresa are probably 80 or, or 90. What number would you give me, sweetie? And there was a long silence on the other end of the phone. And finally, she gave me a number. I'm not going to tell you what it is. It's probably not as high as uh, you, you might think. And she knows me the best. But the reason I think this is such a powerful exercise is because it leads to one universal truth and one universal question. Here's the universal truth. All of us fall short of God's standard for our lives. Scripture says it this way, that for everyone, that would be all of us, has sinned. I mean, we've messed up in the past and we're going to continue to mess up in the future. And we all fall short of God's glorious standard for our lives. Life. And so here's the most important question that you'll ever wrestle with. How can we be made right with God? What does it take? I mean, if, if, if we've messed up, not only in the past, I mean, we're going to continue to mess up. None of us are perfect. How can we be made right with a holy and righteous God? I'll, I'll tell you how most people answer that question. Most people, if you ask them, how do you get right with God? Most people will tell you, well, I'm not perfect but I'm a pretty good person. I'm a good person. And that's what matters most to God that, that, we're, that we're good. At the end of the day, that's what God wants. When it, when it comes to getting right with God, here's what most people believe, that good people go to heaven. In other words, if we go back to the chart here, most people believe that there's like a magical point here where you get into the good category and God goes, you know, you're good. You're in. But if you've ever thought that way, and many people do, I want you to wrestle with something. How good is good enough? Are you confident that your goodness is good enough for a holy and righteous uh, God? You know, one reason I think many people think this way is because this is how much of our world operates. I mean, most elections, you know, you only need 50% to win. 51% will win you most elections. In school, 70% is passing, right? Some of you are like, no, Ds, get degrees. Uh, some, maybe some of you are like honor students and you're like, no, you want to get 80 or 90. I mean, whatever it is, how would you ever know if you're good enough? How would you know? Some of us, maybe we've never thought about this before, that this idea that there's a scale and good people go to heaven. If you've never thought about this before, I mean, it means that your eternity and your hope in this life is based on your performance. I want you to understand that if you base being right with God on your performance, you're never going to have peace because how will you know if you're good enough for a holy and righteous God? And also, God has tried to communicate from the beginning of time, this is not how it works. It's not your, it, it, your goodness is not what makes you right with him. And, and here's what I love about Easter. Easter makes it crystal clear what it takes to be made right with God. And it has everything to do with God's son, Jesus, who came and lived a perfect life and died and rose again from the grave. That's how you're made right with God, by accepting what God has done for you. In other words, we're not made right with God, with a holy God, by what we do for, for, for God. Easter makes this clear. I'm going to show it to you in just a moment. Easter makes it clear we're made right with God by accepting what he's done uh, for, for us. Here's the big idea for the message. If you were to write it down or if you just want to let this sink in, the big idea uh, would, would be this. Good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people do. 
And I want to show you this truth in the clearest way I can by looking at the Easter uh, story uh, with you. I want to show you a part of the Easter story that we oftentimes we don't look at, but it makes this very uh, clear. If you have a Bible with you, go ahead and, and open up to Luke chapter uh, 23. If you don't have a Bible, uh, don't worry about it. We're going to put the verses up on the uh, screen. But before I read what I want to show you today, you need to understand something, something going on back then when it came to crucifixion. You know, many people know that Jesus was, was crucified, but what you may not know is that when the Romans wanted to punish someone uh, with death, oftentimes they would, they would use a different method than crucifixion. They had other ways that were easier and more efficient. They reserved crucifixion for punishing the worst criminals. In other words, they punished people who were on this end, okay? I mean, they, they were really bad criminals, the worst of the uh, worst. That's who got uh, crucified. Now, why would Romans use crucifixion to uh, punish those who were way at the, at the bad end of the scale? Number one, because it was humiliating. I mean, they were crucified naked and publicly. Number two, it was extremely uh, painful. They put nails in your hands and in your feet, but it wasn't the nails that killed you. Eventually, you suffocated. Some people lasted for days on crosses. That's how bad it was to be crucified. The Romans used it to discourage people from committing these really bad uh, crimes, the worst of the worst. That's why the English word excruciating, did you know this? It comes from the word crucifixion. That's where we got the word ex crucify, excruciating. That's where we got the word. That's how bad it was to be crucified. And it was reserved for the worst of the worst. So what did Jesus do to deserve crucifixion? Well, if you've read this story, you know that the religious leaders, they hated Jesus. Because the religious leaders believed that rules made you right with God. And Jesus came along, he just blew up their system and he said, it's not rules, it's a relationship with me. It's believing in me. But the religious leaders hated, hated that because it, it, it took away all their power. And so they backed the Roman governor Pilate into a corner until he finally agreed to crucify Jesus, an innocent man so that they wouldn't riot. All right, keep that in mind as we, as we pick up the story in Luke chapter 23, verse 32, which tells us they didn't crucify uh, Jesus alone. Here's what it says. It says, two other men, both criminals, were also let out with him to be executed. And so they figure we're going to all the trouble to crucify Jesus, and uh, we got these other bad criminals, and we may as well crucify them as well. And again, remember, they didn't crucify people for minor violations. In fact, when it says criminal here, in the original language, it means someone who did deliberate evil, the worst of the worst. And you can tell how bad one of these guys is because look at what he says in the midst of his dying breath. It says, one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him, at Jesus, aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. This criminal so bad that with his dying breaths, he insults Jesus the son of God. But look at what the other criminal uh, says. Uh, the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God? We are punished justly for we're getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. This criminal admits, you know what? I, I, I'm over here. We're over here. We're getting what we deserve. We're the worst of the, of the worst. He admits it. Now, 
If good people go to heaven, let me ask you a question. I mean, what, what chance does this criminal have of, of doing enough good to move into the good category to go uh, to heaven? Uh, what chance does he have? Zero chance. I mean, he's nailed to a, to a cross. And look at what he says to Jesus. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Now, now, don't miss this. I mean, he recognizes that Jesus is the king. And when Jesus dies, he's going to go to heaven in his kingdom. And in an act of humility, a last-ditch effort, this criminal says, Jesus, I know I'm the worst of the worst, but is there any way that you could save me? Now, if we didn't know the rest of the story and, and good people uh, go to, uh, we assume that good people go to heaven, uh, what, would we, what would we expect Jesus to say to this uh, criminal? Uh, sorry, buddy, <laughs> you're going down uh, when you die. I mean, you, you've admitted that you've lived a terrible life already. Sucks to be you. You have no ability to get into the good uh, category and, and go to heaven. But look at what Jesus says to him. Jesus answered him, truly, I tell you, today you'll be with me in paradise today because you haven't relied on your goodness today even though you did terrible things you turn to me and you're going to heaven with me and in this moment Jesus it's like he shouted to all generations including us here today and he makes it crystal clear good people uh, don't go to heaven forgiven people do. I mean, was this, was, this, was this guy, was this criminal a good person? No, he lived a terrible life. He did, he did terrible things. But he called on the name of Jesus, and Jesus forgave him. Here's the question I want you to wrestle with today. Have you been relying on your goodness to make you right with God? Because maybe you just thought that's how it worked. Or have you ever had a moment in your life when you called on the name of Jesus? A moment in your life when you drove a stake in the ground and you said, Jesus, it's not my goodness. I'm calling on you to forgive me. I believe in what you did. You came and you lived a perfect life and you died and you raised from the grave and conquered death so that you can forgive anything in my life. Have you ever taken that step? Some of you wonder, what does it practically look like to, to do that? And that's what I wanna try and explain in the clearest way I can. As, as a matter of fact, it's so simple, I wanna just use three letters, A, B, and C, to explain what it means for you to give your life to Jesus and to accept his forgiveness. Let's start with the letter A. You admit that you've got a problem. That's the starting point. And this is harder than you might think because many people would say, I'm a good person. But you gotta admit that your goodness is not good enough, it's not enough, to reconcile you to God. Any sin will separate you from God. In, in the New Testament book of James chapter two, uh, he says, for the person who keeps all of the laws except one, I mean, you've done everything right except one thing, you're as guilty as a person who's broken all of God's uh, laws. Uh, do, do you understand, in God's eyes, in God's eyes, I mean, there is no scale of, of goodness. Any sin, even one sin will separate you from him. The prophet Isaiah uh, makes it real clear. Look at what he says. It's your sins that have cut you off from God. Some of you are like, is that the way God is? You know, is God just, just cut you off 
from him? Does God just separate himself from you uh, because of your uh, sin? Does God just cancel, you know, his relationship uh, with you? Our, our son, our youngest son is getting ready to graduate from college uh, next month in Minnesota. And we've been waiting to see if there's going to be a graduation ceremony. You know, many graduations have been uh, canceled because of COVID. And so we've been waiting. And finally, just a few weeks ago, on March 25th, the school announced their plans. And they will have in-person graduation, which is good. We're glad about that. But here was the surprise. Uh, they limited, they've limited each student to bring one guest. That's it. We get one ticket for all of us. For our whole family. And so I've got my ticket. Okay, I'm going. I'm good. I got a seat. Um, I don't know what Marnie's going to do. Um, you know, she can watch online or I don't know, maybe she can, she can uh, scalp a ticket, buy a ticket or something like that. I'm kidding. But is that how God is? He just cuts you off and, 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 you're, and you're separate from him? No, listen, God knows your name. God knows everything about you. God knows every detail about your life. God loves you more than you, can, more than you can imagine. And he doesn't want you cut off from him. And that's why he sent Jesus to reconcile you back to him if you would simply rely on what he has done to forgive your uh, sins. But you gotta admit that you got a problem. And then B, believe that Jesus is the answer. you got to come to a place in your life where you believe that this whole idea of a scale of, of goodness and, 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 and being good enough, that does not exist in God's kingdom. Here's, here's, here's what exists for God. God says, I sent my son to die on a, on a cross and this covers every gap in your life to make you holy and perfect in my sight. It's the only forgiveness that I can offer to you. This is the message of the, of the gospel. This is why Jesus came and died on a cross and raised again. This is why the most famous verse in the Bible, many of you probably know it, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. It's why in the book of Acts it says this, salvation, and in other words, being made right with God is found in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. In other words, if you want to be made right with God, it's only by placing your trust and faith and believing in what Jesus has done for you. Now, some of you might say, okay, so I just, I just believe, you know, that's it. Just intellectually believe and I'm, I'm good. No, no, no. It's not just A and B. There's a, there's a, there's a third letter. There's C. Uh, maybe some of you have done A and B. You've said, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. But the intellectual belief in your head, in your mind, has never traveled, never really traveled 18 inches down into your heart and into your uh, life. The book of James says that even the demons, even Satan believes in God, but, but it's done nothing for, for them. And so it's got to be more than just intellectual belief. And that's why you admit you've got a problem, you believe in Jesus, and then let her see you commit your life to Jesus by repenting and being baptized. Repentance just means you make a U-turn with your life. You have a moment in your life where you drive a stake in the ground and you say, God, I've been relying on my goodness to save me. 
but I'm going to make a U-turn and turn toward you. I'm not going to rely on what I think is right and wrong. I'm going to rely on what, what you say is right and wrong. And when you're, you're baptized, you publicly declare that you believe what Jesus did for you. Remember, Jesus died, and then three days later, he raised back from the grave. He was, he was perfect and the only person who could do that. And when you're baptized, you go under the water symbolizing your belief in what Jesus did for you and symbolizing that you're dying to yourself. And when you come up out of the water, you're, you're declaring, I believe I'm a brand new person because of what Jesus has done for me. Every time in the New Testament, when somebody would come to faith in Jesus, they did these two things, repentance and baptism. Look at what Peter preached in the first sermon after the resurrection of Jesus. Peter told this crowd what Jesus had, had done for them. And the crowd said, what do we do? Peter said, repent. Here's what you do. Repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. In other words, good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people do. And that's how you are made right uh, with God. And the last sentence gets, gets even better. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. God will come into your life and make you into a person that you could never be on your uh, own. Some of us know that we have a hole in our life, a hole in our heart, and we've tried to fill it with so many things, maybe money, prestige, maybe the next sexual escapade, maybe a drug, but if you get really honest with yourself, you would admit, I still feel empty on the inside. But when you turn to Jesus and God comes into your life, you feel peace and fulfillment. That's the message of the gospel. It's as simple as A, B, C. You admit you've got a problem, you believe Jesus is the answer, and you commit your life to Jesus by repentance and baptism. Let me ask you, have you done those? Have you done all three of those? Maybe, maybe, maybe some of you have, have held back. Sometimes people hold back because they think, you know, I'm, I'm, pretty good, I'm a pretty good person. But you know what it is for many people? Very often, three misperceptions cause people to hold back from at least taking that third step of getting baptized and going all in. I want to talk about three misperceptions for a moment. Maybe somebody here needs to hear this. Here's the first one. I've messed up too much. God would never accept me. But that criminal on the cross, remember him? He proves that there is nothing that you have done that is beyond God's grace. Nothing. The story of Easter proves Jesus is a much better Savior than you are a sinner. God loves you unconditionally and will forgive anything that you've done. Somebody put it this way. Jesus did not come to make bad people good, but to make dead people alive. And if you're feeling dead on the inside because of some shame in your life, you know what? Jesus is waiting to just lift that off of you if you will call on, on his name. But a second misperception many people have is, th is this. I still have questions. And I, and I got to get all my questions answered before I can choose to follow uh, Jesus. But you don't have to wait until you get every question answered. I mean, that, that could take forever. Here, here's what you can do. You can walk right into following Jesus. And you can bring those questions with you. I'm a pastor. And I still have questions I've never gotten answered. And I'm not sure I will this side of, of heaven, but it has never stopped me from believing that Jesus can come and change and transform. 
and, and forgive my life? I think the most important question you'll ever answer is this. Did Jesus come and die for me and rise again to forgive my sins? Once you answer that question, all your other questions become very small. For those of you who have questions that have held you back from giving your life to Jesus, I would say this, don't let your questions keep you from the hope that Jesus can give you uh, today. But I think this third misperception is probably the biggest one of all, out of all three. I need to get my life in order first before I turn my life over to Jesus. But this is the biggest lie that Satan tries to whisper into your ear because here's what you're basically uh, saying. You're saying, you know what? I'm gonna move this way on the scale before I give my life to Jesus. And God says, no, that's not the way it works. The cross, the cross is ready for you right now. If you think you need to get your life in order first, here's the problem. You'll never get your life in order without Jesus in your life first. It'd be like a doctor saying to you, you know what, I've got this medicine that'll make you better, but you need to get better first. No, you'll never get your life in order until Jesus comes in and transforms your life first. That's why every time in scripture, when someone comes to faith in Jesus, they don't, they don't hold off. They give their life to Jesus and they get baptized. I want you to hear uh, the story of, a, of a, a young man in our church uh, named Ryan. And I want you to notice something. Ryan had many reasons to hold back, but he didn't. And he gave his life to Jesus and he went all in. And Jesus has just totally changed his life. Take a look. My name's Ryan. I've been coming to River Glen for two and a half, almost three years. And this is my story. Life before Jesus was tough. I had a lot of things in my life when I was younger that made me grow up really fast. And then I, I joined the military, went on a few deployments. I've been to the Middle East and all over the country, all over the world. The last deployment I went on, I got hit in the head with a large piece of metal, um, which after that now I've had to deal with the post-traumatic tendencies along with post-traumatic migraines. I started to develop anxiety, depression, we hit a point in 2018, I was determined one day that I didn't want to be here anymore. I didn't know what to do, I didn't know who to turn to. Once we started talking with somebody and I got everything out in the open, um, my wife felt better and I know she, she relied on her faith through the whole thing. And she was coming to River Glen much longer than me. I popped in every now and then and the messages even then still kind of spoke to me and the music always spoke to me every single time and you know caused emotions just for what I was going through but I never fully committed. The week after we went to the VA River Glen was doing in-service baptisms. We hadn't signed up but my wife turned to me and she said I want to do this. She had never been baptized. I was baptized as a baby however I had gone through you know all this stuff in life that I had remorse and regret and pain from and I remember sitting in the auditorium still not a hundred percent sure on all this faith stuff and going okay if you're there I, I don't know where else to turn and I've almost made the worst decision ever if you're there I'm gonna go do this and give it a shot they give you the option on the t-shirts and I remember the specific one that first caught my eye was the one that said forgiven and that immediately struck a chord with me just because of everything that I had 
regretted that I've done to other people or the pain that I've caused other people from my own decisions and actions and I wanted to wipe all that away and once I made that decision in the auditorium to get up there and go get baptized and really truly try to give it up to God and say please help me I'm sorry for what I've done I'm sorry for everything and I want to be different once I was able to give that up things changed shortly after that my wife did the Alpha course. She was really diving into this stuff and I still again was kind of in and out and would ask her some questions here and there. I semi-reluctantly was like, okay, fine, I'll come. And I walked in pretty skeptical, got a ton of questions. Everybody tells you that, hey, this is a safe space, ask whatever you want. It's like, well, okay, well, you guys, be, are you ready? Because <laughs> I'm gonna ask. <laughs> and. Everybody was respectful and a lot of people had tons of insight on a lot of things and it gave me this community that I'd never had. I've had numerous conversations now and they happen more and more frequently of, hey, you're different, like what's going on? You used to be so angry, everybody could see the things that I was going through. I can't attribute where I'm at right now to anything but the baptism and Alpha and Rooted and God and the forgiveness that Jesus provided me and me asking for that forgiveness and knowing that it's real. You know, when you see people uh, talking about their baptism, when you see people uh, getting baptized, when they come up out of that water, what you see is a sense of relief. How about you? Are you tired of relying on yourself, tired of relying on your goodness, tired of relying on your strength, the marriage that's maybe broken, the relationship that just doesn't seem to be getting better? the anxiety, the shame, the guilt from the past, the pain. Are, are, are you tired of relying on, on you? When you give your life to Jesus, everything changes, everything, but you gotta accept this free gift. Have you taken these steps, the ABCs? Have you admitted, have you believed, have you committed your life to Jesus through repentance and baptism? And for those of you that haven't, I'm gonna challenge you today to not let another day pass, would you say, today, I'm gonna to give my life to Jesus. Today, I'm gonna be baptized. Maybe some of you were uh, baptized as a baby like Ryan talked about in the video. Your parents made that decision to baptize you because they love you. But this doesn't, this doesn't take away from your parents' decision. I think in many ways, it fulfills it. And what you're saying is that today, I, I want for my life what my parents wanted for me when I was uh, born. I'm choosing, I'm making my own choice to follow uh, Jesus. And you know what? There's no better day to do it than today. I mean, we're not promised uh, tomorrow. And this is Easter. This is Easter weekend. This is the biggest decision of your life, the best decision of your life. And every Easter, every year moving forward, you're going to be able to remember this, this was the day. This was the day that changed my life. Some of you are, are, are thinking, well, that sounds good. You know, that sounds awesome, but I didn't really come prepared. You know what? We got you covered. We have everything that you need. We've got clothes, a change of clothes that you can wear into the water. We've got T-shirts in all sizes. You get to keep that T-shirt. 
Uh, we've got towels and lots of them. We've got the baptistry right over here. It's filled up and it's uh, heated up. We've got a baptistry at Pewaukee filled and heated up. And uh, we've got private changing areas. And we're going to cheer for you. I mean, we're, we're, we're with you. We're excited for you. You know what? We've got everything. We just need you to muster up the courage and take this step. I've heard it said that if there were a thousand steps between us and God, Jesus has taken 999 of those steps and he leaves that last one for you. Will you take that step today? It's real simple. In a moment, uh, we're going we're gonna to stand up and uh, we're going to sing. And while we're singing, all you do is just make your way to the aisle and head back to the lobby. There's a table right in the middle uh, of the lobby with a group of people that'll uh, greet you and help you get ready and we'll do your baptism in just a few minutes. If you've already signed up uh, for baptism during this song, same thing, just head to the uh, lobby. Before we, before we uh, sing, I want to ask everybody at both campuses, would you stand with me and uh, stand up? And I want to invite you to make this statement. Uh, would you repeat after me if you believe these words? You ready? I believe that Jesus died for my sin and raised from the dead. And I accept him as my Lord and Savior. You stay standing. I'm going to pray that God gives you the courage and boldness right now. Uh, for those of you that need to get baptized, we'd love to celebrate with you. You just make your way to the lobby after I pray while we uh, sing. Let me pray. Father, it is Easter, and there's no better day for the person who knows that they've not taken this step. And God, none of us, we're not good enough to be reconciled with you. The only way we're made right with you and have hope in our life, not only hope for eternity, but hope for today, is if we turn our life over to you. We believe, we repent, and we're baptized. And for those that need to take that step, would you give them the boldness and courage right now, right now, to go to the lobby and take this step. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.